Welcome back, everyone, to this week's Torah for the Earth audio essay. I'm your host, Charlie Forbes, and this week I'll be addressing Parashat Emor, which is Hebrew for say. This word, Emor, is among the most frequently used words in the Torah. In fact, it appears twice in the opening line of this parashah and is most widely recognizable in the Hebrew verbal form Vaital, which is used to express the narrative past tense, Vayomer. It also begins the third verse of the Shema, which is a prayer that is traditionally recited twice daily and before bed. The prevalence of this word throughout the Torah reminds us of the significance of words and speech. Within the tradition of Judaism, words are also things, and this is evidenced by the Hebrew word for words, devarim, which can be translated as words, but also as things and matter. When we speak, we are creating real, tangible things, and in this way become active participants in a creative process. At first glance, the implications of this point may not seem immediately relevant. Parashat Demor begins by describing a few additional laws that pertain to the Kohanim, such as the ritual impurity that results from contact with a dead body, not shaving the edges of the beard, and not being able to marry a woman who has been divorced. If any, Cohen has some type of physical deformity. This also restricts their ability to take part in the temple service. Such deformities also apply to the eligibility of offerings, which are known as blemished animals. But before this section of the Torah describes the annual callings of holiness, we read this commandment. You shall not desecrate my holy name, Rather, I should be sanctified among the children of Israel. This is chapter 22, verse 32. In the stone edition Chumash, the commentary to this verse states, and I quote, The primary privilege and responsibility of every Jew, great or small, is to sanctify God's name through their behavior, whether among Jews or among Gentiles, by studying Torah and performing the commandments, and by treating others kindly, considerately, and honestly, so that the people say of them, fortunate are the parents and teachers who raised such a person. Conversely, there is no greater degradation for a Jew than to act in a way that will make people say the opposite. End quote. With this, we must ask, what does it mean to sanctify God's name? How can we treat others kindly, considerately, and honestly? And how does the act of speaking relate to our expression of an honest and compassionate environmentalism? The greatest kryptonite of environmental activism is anger. For those of us who are driven to try and better the state of the world, it's not uncommon to occasionally succumb to negative emotional states such as sadness, fear, or worry. Activism of any kind is driven by a sense of discontent and dissatisfaction with the status quo. And for this reason, there are inherent pitfalls within the nature of the forces that inspire change. 
but our responsibility is not to be motivated or obsessed primarily by the anger we have for the problems of this world. Although there is a way that we can use that passion to fuel a greater transformative process. From a traditional rabbinic point of view, this is known as sublimation. In essence, we all have a part of us that has a tendency to misuse or abuse negative aspects of the physical realm. This is known as the Yetzirahara, or the evil inclination. The antagonist to the evil inclination is what you would expect, the good inclination, which comprises the impulses and instincts that nurture the positive aspects of the world. In Hebrew, this is known as the Yetzer Hatov. The word Yetzer is related to the Hebrew word Tzir, meaning form. Both of these inclinations are like channels. They give material form to the immaterial passions of our soul. There's nothing innately evil about emotive states such as anger or fear. They exist in a realm that the Kabbalists refer to as Klipat Nogah, which houses a type of optional potentiality. It's optional because it contains good, but it requires our participation to actualize the potential inherent within it. Klipat Nogah is an in-between realm, as it sits between the overtly good realm of pure Kedusha, this is holiness, and absolute evil. It's also the realm of the animal soul, which is sometimes conflated with the Yetzirah. But these are not the same thing, and they can't be used interchangeably. The reason that emotions like anger are not inherently evil is because they pertain to the animal soul. The animal soul is concerned with physical desires and physical needs. And for this reason, you can make the argument that the animal soul is part of our personhood that helps us to survive and to navigate concrete challenges. Sensations like pain or emotions like anger and fear alert us to a threat. But trouble arises when we employ the Yetzirah to actualize basic instincts that have negative outcomes. A simple example would be a process whereby we allow our anger to be converted into hate or jealousy, and that then leads to a variety of physical action that defaces the material. This is when anger becomes kryptonite. It's our job to sublimate or actualize the inherent good of the animal soul to uplift the mundane of the material realm. Capitalism, the military-industrial complex, and various forms of imperialism are all entities that are defacing the material. That's a fairly obvious point to make. Just ask the Sioux tribe and the challenges they've encountered fighting the Dakota Axis pipeline, or other indigenous communities that have had their water poisoned from fracking or enriched uranium. The suggestion within Parashat Amor is about paying close attention to the words we use to critique institutions of power, as our choice of language can have a tangible effect on our capacity to instigate material change. Prior to the partaking of the Etz Hadat, this is the Tree of Knowledge, we are told that there was no mixing of good and evil in the world. 
From this, we also come to understand that neither Adam nor Eve had a Yetzer Hurrah. The natural tendency of their nature was to fulfill the will of their maker. This is a condition that follows the first creation myth in Genesis, which changes after the eating, and Adam and Eve step down into a lower world in need of repair. But there's a fundamental lesson inherent in an event that follows the partaking of the Eitz Hadat, Adam's naming of the animals. With this stepping down also came the introduction of polarities, a mixing of those polarities, and a variety of differentiation that requires the intercession of the human. With the power to name also came the great responsibility to sanctify God's name. This means naming things properly and according to their nature. To abuse this power is also to succumb to the temptation of the Yetzer Hara and to misuse the function of free will. In the Talmud, Rabbi Joshua ben Levi said, quote, A person should never utter an ugly word. The Torah adds on eight letters just to avoid using an ugly word. End quote. This provides a bit more context to the laws of Lashon Hara discussed last week in Parashat Kadoshim, which forbids slander and speaking ill of other people. The way we name things has to suit the circumstance, and we actually do ourselves a disservice by using negative words. This is why the Lubavitcher Rebbe, this is Rabbi Menachem M. Schneerson, insisted on not criticizing anyone by name and by providing new ways to describe things that are better suited to their intentions. One well-known example was his creation of a new term for the Hebrew word for hospital, Beit Cholim, literally house of the sick. The Rebbe, rather, used the term Beit Refuah, literally a house of healing, to describe a place where one works for healing instead of sickness. This inventive way of thinking is a critical lesson for how we manage our activism. In a world of hashtags and Twitter posts, where an engine of activism is social media, it's vitally important that we anticipate the correct naming of our movements and the words that will represent the healing we wish to instill. This week's parasha also describes the period between Pesach and Shavuot known as Sefirat HaOmer. This is the counting of the Omer. This is a period of time whereby we reflect and work on the qualities that bring us closer to God. Traditionally, during this time, Pirkei Avot, this is Ethics of the Fathers, is also read, which is a tractate in the Mishnah. In a passage concerning wisdom, strength, wealth, and honor, Rabbi Ben Zoma says, quote, Who is he that is honored? He who honors his fellow human beings. End quote. The word in this passage that's used to describe fellow human beings is habriot, which has come to mean human beings, but may have broader implications. The word briot has the same root, bet resh aleph, as the word for creatures or creation. It's a word that harkens back to the first line of the Torah. Bereshit bara Elohim, and implores us that if we are to be honored, we must honor all of creation, 
all of the plants, all of the animals, all of the things that creep and crawl, and all human beings. We must speak honestly about all of creation if we are to sanctify God's name. This is how we can treat others compassionately and enact an environmentalism that moves in a direction of positive change and constructive transformation. Thank you all for listening. That's all for now, and I'll catch you next week.